0: This is a familiar text. Most of us have heard it before. We've read it. We've studied it. And more than likely, we've even heard a sermon or two on it. When we hear this text, we think back to what it is that we've learned has just happened. Jesus has just recently been baptized and then was tempted in the wilderness. And John the Baptist had been arrested. Really, he had been turned over. Now, We look at the main part. Let's look at our story for today. For most of us, when we see this story, we focus on Jesus. And why not? Our Christian calendars revolve mainly around Jesus. The Christian year in three words might as well be summarized as Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection. Of course, when we get to this time in our Christian calendar year, we get excited It's when we get to hear about his life story, about what Jesus actually did, what he said, and we hone in. We love hearing stories about Jesus, and this story is no different. We love hearing that Jesus simply called James and John to follow him, and they immediately dropped their nets and followed Jesus. We love that story. It's hard for us to imagine literally dropping everything, not even packing a bag and following someone, to support and believe in someone like that, someone we barely know. This isn't a Disney princess story. This is the calling of James and John. It's a great story. When Jesus calls, you answer. You respond. That's how we always see the story. That's how it's taught you respond to Jesus and you go out and and you share it with others that's our typical perspective of the story but the story isn't as simple as that what if we looked at the story from different perspectives what if we took on the perspective of Zebedee here we have Zebedee a father and a fisherman He has worked his whole life building up his business, and now his sons are older, and he has turned this one-man fishing business into a larger family business. The three of them, day after day, go out casting their nets early in the morning. Then they load up what they've caught, head into town, and sell what they can At the end of the day, they return to mend their nets, tying up the holes and getting things ready for the next morning. Only this day, while tying up the holes in their nets, James and John just leave. They don't finish tying up the holes. They don't tell their dad where they are going or even goodbye. They leave. The boats, the nets their home, their friends, and even their dad, leaving him to get all the work done by himself and to pay the bills all by himself while they go off to see the world. That's Zebedee's perspective. It's a different perspective than what we normally see, and it's a hard perspective for a lot of parents to see their children grow up and answer their calling a calling that might not look the way we thought their calling would look. Or what if we took the perspective of one of the brothers? There they are, doing their regular daily routine, and as they are tying and mending their nets, at the end of the day, they see this man. One of the brother brothers asked the other, Is that the guy? I think so answered the other brother. What what are Peter and Andrew doing with him? I, I don't know. And as they are talking, this strange man, who doesn't seem strange at all, calls out to them. One brother jumps in the water, and then the next both swimming toward this man, trying to see what makes this ordinary-looking man so compelling. I don't know if they had heard him proclaiming earlier that morning on the shore, but I do know that at that time it was really an odd thing to do, to prophesy along the seashore. No one really knew what He meant, by what he was saying, the kingdom of God has come near. So perhaps, perhaps, they wanted to learn more and see what this man could teach them. So they swam out to follow Jesus. Let's see, we've covered our perspective. We've covered that of Zebedee and that of the brothers James and John it looks like the only perspective we have not covered is that of Jesus. Remember, he had just been tempted, and James the Baptist had been turned over by others. This small glimpse into the text, into this very story that we're looking at today, is one thing we see Jesus do, the one thing we see Jesus do, before he begins teaching and preaching in the synagogues. So again, we have to look at what has just happened. A couple weeks ago, we heard about Jesus being baptized and receiving the Holy Spirit so he could begin his ministry. Then he went out into the wilderness to pray before starting that new task. While praying, he was tempted. And when he came back into town, he learned that John the Baptist had been turned over. It is in this moment, this moment in our text today, that Jesus begins to gather. He gathers before he begins to preach and teach. He calls a community for himself. It was after he realized that he could not do this alone. And who does he call? He calls ordinary, everyday people to join him, to go with him. You have to remember, and sometimes it's easy for us to forget that people are people. Ordinary and extraordinary, they are all people. And all people throughout the time have been just that, people. Like you and me, people who worry, who have fears, people who laugh, some who think they are funny, people who sing songs, who watch clouds as they pass by, who enjoy a good meal and who love a good night's rest. We're human. We're all human. We look back at some of these people throughout time and we often forget they were people just like you and me. Here, Jesus calls these regular people, to join him in community. Jesus probably already knew he couldn't do what God had called him to do by himself. And after being tempted and seeing John the Baptist turned over, it was even more clear that answering God's call is only possible with a community that can support you and travel with you, ones that will care about you. People who invest in you as you invest in them. So many times we go throughout life alone. Yes, we have friends, coworkers, perhaps a significant other. But we tend to keep a lot of our struggles to ourselves. We don't ever like to admit when we can't do something or when we haven't done something exactly the way we want to do it. But sometimes we need help. And we don't often like to admit that. And we're not alone in our thinking. Remember, we're all human. There are people living right here in this neighborhood who need a community. True community. We need to be that for people. We need to be the community for all people. We have Sunday morning classes for various ages, toddlers through adults. We have youth group for high school and middle schoolers. We have a a twice-a-week exercise group for those young at heart. We have weekly coffee times for those who can make it, and after-school activities for elementary students. Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts meet here. Craft fairs and pancake breakfasts are held here. Weddings, funerals, and baby blessings all take place here, in this place. We are becoming that community for all people, but we need to continue expanding ourselves and expanding our love. We need to genuinely love and encourage others, at times going out of our way and reaching out of our comfort zones. We need to remember to invite people to church, Sometimes we don't realize that others don't have a community like this one. Or perhaps they don't have a community that loves them unconditionally, that they can open up to, where they can simply be themselves. Invite people to rallies and camps. Invite people to family picnics and movie nights, to fellowship meals and coffee times. Invite them to Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday evening classes. Whenever you come, invite them to come. And when we see needs within our community that are not being met anywhere else, we need to create a space for that. We need to help those that we see, whoever they may be, whether they're blended families, adoptive parents, new parents, single parents. If we see a need for teaching classes, of cooking for healthy meals, or learning to cook for one, for crisis support groups, or any new ministry that we have a heart for. Just as we are currently doing for the new Community Cares Organization, by creating a space where foster families and special need families, people who have struggles with addictions can meet and receive help, support, nurture, and encouragement. The possibility for needs within our community will vary. It will change over time, but we need to take hold of these opportunities when they present themselves and welcome people so that they can have the love and support of a group so that they know they are not alone going throughout life. We are never alone. We are community. I encourage all of us to invest time In our community, because I can't think of a better investment than people. People know when you care about them, they know when you are sincere, and they know when they've experienced love. Nobody can answer God's calling by themselves, even Jesus could not answer God's calling alone. We were made to be in community. We, the living, breathing embodiment of Christ, we were made for this. Believe in community this day. And let us make sure that we go out continually acting as a community, taking every opportunity to love and serve those around us while making room for them to be a part of this beautiful community here. Amen. Let us sing number 422 in our red chalice spindles. Let us talents and tongues employ as we prepare to join the table with one another.